Welcome to City Stories, the podcast by Energy Cities. I'm Miriam Eisenman and I'm your host. What do you think of when you hear Dijon? Mustard? Wine? Certainly not energy planning, right? Well, yes, Dijon is located in the famous Burgundy region and it is known for quite some delicious goods. But it's good you've tuned in today because food and drinks are not the only thing in which this city and its surroundings excel. The metropolitan area of Dijon has also been recognized by the European Commission as a climate leader amongst 100 climate flagship cities. My guest today is Jean-Patrick Masson, vice president in charge of the energy transition, and he is one of the political drivers in his region as well as in the French political arena. My short talk with him opened some new thoughts on how important partnerships are and why it's good to test things before scaling up. As Jean-Patrick was more comfortable speaking in French, we've dubbed most of the interview thanks to the voice of my colleague Ian Turner. Jean-Patrick, welcome and bonjour to City Stories. Can you please briefly present yourself and your lovely city Dijon? Good morning, Miriam. I'm Jean-Patrick Masson, Vice Chairman of Dijon Metropolis, responsible for uh, ecological transition. I'm also responsible for wastes, renewable energy, hydrogen, for example, uh, network and the response project. Dijon is a city of more than uh, 260,000 inhabitants and uh, we are in the earth of uh, Burgundy and uh, we are a lot of uh, projects about uh, energy transition. Dijon aims at becoming carbon neutral by 2050. Managing the amount of carbon in a city or region, where do you start? So it's based on two elements that seem to me to be completely fundamental. The first one is to have an internal organization dedicated to the climate and energy transition, which is our case. And this organization has a cross-functional vocation, as it is designed to get all departments working together. The second pillar, which I believe to be essential, is that of working in partnership with all the players in the region, each of whom has their own specific characteristics. And our job is to break down barriers and work horizontally with all those concerned by our topics. Carbon neutrality, that's a concept, something pretty abstract. Jean-Patrick, can you talk about a very concrete project you have in Dijon, maybe even a very visible one that is meant to get you to drastically reduce carbon dioxide emissions? It's true that in Dijon, we're working quite intensively on renewable energies. For example, our tramway runs on 10% renewable energy. We're working to increase this percentage. We've also built a district heating network using 70% renewable energy, including waste energy, which today serves the equivalent of 55,000 homes. So it's a major project. It's the third or fourth largest network in France. It's 120 kilometers long, right? Exactly, 120 kilometers. And we built it in a dozen years, which is a very short time indeed. It shows the metropolis' commitment to this subject. 
And then, another very visible element for local residents is the fact that we work with companies, associations and local residents in such a way as to raise their awareness. We explain our policies to them. And they become partners in the implementation of our political choice, which is indeed to be carbon neutral, or rather to have no emissions in the coming years, or at least as few as possible. And just for our listeners to understand, well, this happens in an energy-positive neighborhood, right? That's it. So, it's happening in a more general way, but we have a very, very successful implementation in a sensitive neighborhood called the Fontaine Douche, for which we are working to be positive in renewable energy. So, our objective is 120% renewable energy compared to consumption. This neighborhood, which dates back to the 70s, is undergoing urban renewal. We have the capacity to work on the building envelope, which is quite classic. We're also familiar with photovoltaic systems, even if it's difficult to install lots and lots of solar panels in dense urban areas, because we need to cover most of our electricity consumption. And then there's the district heating network. So, we have a very ambitious goal. And also, this is important for us. It's about monitoring all this. In other words, neither too much nor too little energy must be produced. And in any case, it has to be available at the right time, so there's no surplus and no shortage, of course. We have a data reactor, a digital platform responsible for balancing the system. What does this mean? It means that we need to take a lot of data from this neighborhood, including data from local residents, and we need to work with it in such a way as to be there when someone presses the button to get light. And perhaps the second clarification, we're into collective self-consumption, which means that what we produce is in fact available to more than 500 homes and 14 sites belonging to the city of Dijon, including schools, swimming pools, leisure centers, and so on. Okay, so these are all existing buildings that are being renovated in the framework of this urban development. So it's true that these are existing buildings, more from the 70s, with populations that don't have much money in rather old neighborhoods. And so one of the major objectives behind all this is not just to please ourselves by being good, it's also to be able to replicate these results. In fact, this is one of the commitments we have made to the EU, that is, to duplicate all the good solutions so that the others can adopt them. And that's why there are already a certain number of follow cities in the program who are learning from it. And we're also learning from it for ourselves, for our city's other neighborhoods. So, Jean-Patrick, we see that you really have a vision and that your actions aim the long term. And still, Dijon Metropole takes part in the EU CityCalc project, which develops a long-term energy planning tool. Did you learn new things from this project? And if so, how did you put them into practice? In fact, it's both. EU CityCalc provides us with a methodology, a logic, and ultimately a framework. And we bring to EU CityCalc ultimately the concrete cases on the territory. Initially, initially, it was a calculation method at European level and at national level. Today, EU CityCalc is a way of calculating on a territorial scale. As a result, this framework enables us to say, well, on such and such a topic, we may be faced with a lack of data at some point, or data of a kind that isn't what expected within the EU CityCalc's framework. 
This calculation method is particularly useful to us as it enables us to monitor our performances over time, obviously using the same protocol and to compare ourselves with others and thus to aggregate our results with those of other local authorities, if necessary, to see if we are in line with national or European targets. This means that our departments must also communicate with each other using the same method. In other words, the calculation method used by a local authority may be of one type for one department, such as schools, and of another type for the sports department or for the construction or renovation of buildings. This means that we need to have a common language, both internally and with our external partners, that is, our delegates, social housing agencies, and so on. And then, for example, in the coming weeks, in October, we'll be holding workshops with companies, trade unions, chambers of commerce, and the university. So our partners are ultimately also included in this project. We no longer run projects on our own, saying, we'll explain how we do things. It's all about partnership, and EU City Calc reinforces this approach. Now, to end our conversation, do you want to give an advice to other cities and regions that wish to follow Dijon's steps? Local governments would want to exit this silo thinking that you were talking about and, and instead would want to work more in, in partnership with others. I mean, what is the ingredient that makes um, collaboration happen in large places like Dijon Metropole? So my feeling is that we need to be very clear about what we want. In other words, the political vision must be very clear and perceptible to all partners because that facilitates dialogue. Some may agree, some may disagree, but in any case, we know exactly where we stand. And I'd say that as soon as we share this vision with others, that is, explain it to the residents, to the economic partners, to the internal departments, we end up forming a group of people, of institutions. And it's this sharing of the political vision, discussed and amended, that enables us to move forward together. For me, this is the essential element because everyone can see where they stand. Well, thank you very much, Jean-Patrick, for sharing your vision of a policy that looks to the future and yet is firmly rooted in the present, as we can see. Thank you really um, for taking the time for this conversation and we're curious to see how it all evolves in and around Dijon. Merci beaucoup, Jean-Patrick. Merci beaucoup. Thank you very much. As always, if you're interested in learning more about the topics we've been talking about in this episode, please check out the website of the European project EU City Calc, www.europeancitycalculator.eu, europeancitycalculator.eu. The EU City Calc project supports cities in becoming climate neutral. The project gets funding from the EU Horizon 2020 program, and it will offer the open source European City Calculator web tool with which cities can plan their measures sector by sector to bring their emissions down to zero.